The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about so many things dealing with conflict, the magic of conflict, going within, the journey within, all these wonderful concepts of one of the people that I consider a mentor for many years, um, although we've never met in person. I remember when I read his uh, first book, The Magic of Conflict, and it just really clicked with me. And that was when I was mediating, and I thought, how wonderful to use an Aikido, Aikido approach. And he's just wonderful. We've had him on before, and I want to talk to him about all the great work that he's doing and have him share with you. So let me tell you a little bit more about Thomas Crum. He's an author and a presenter in fields of conflict resolution, peak performance, and stress management. And he's known throughout the world for his best-selling books and his inspiring presentations, which help people become more centered under conflict and resourceful when facing challenges and more effective when we're under stress. And you know, when we're under stress, conflict just jumps in, right? Because we we see something that doesn't agree with us and we just have to deal with it. And so he gives us some great tools on how to do that. And for over 35 years, Tom has taught Aikido, which is a graceful martial art, which uses energy rather than force to resolve conflicts. And it includes principles and movements from Aikido, Tai Chi, Gong, and other mind-body parts in his presentations. And this creates an exper- experiential event, which adds excitement, color, and value, and really helps people to move beyond the conflict and get into resolution and solutions. And let me tell you his books. He has audio and visual materials and other products, including his best-selling books, The Magic of Conflict, which I read many years ago, and I always keep handy on my bookshelf. And journey to the center about getting into your center because when we're centered, we can deal with anything. And his latest book, Three Deep Breaths, Finding Power and Purpose in a Stressed Out World, which is obviously so needed. So I want to welcome you, Tom. Thank you for coming to us from Colorado. You are just really uh, one of my heroes, and I think you're great. Oh, thanks, Mari. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it was fun to talk before, and so let's talk again. Let's do it. All right. How is it that you took on the quest of teaching conflict resolution? Where did that all come from? Well, you know, Mari, uh, I think when 
when we really look at our lives, it's all about relationship and with, with ourselves, with others. And uh, so it has been a great interest of mine because I'm interested in having the best possible relationships, as, as I'm sure you are. And uh, for me, you know, I was teaching school uh, back in the early 70s, and I had a special group that I had for three years, the same group of kids. It was a wonderful opportunity to have uh, the same kids for three years. And uh, during that time, this is a middle school age. Oh, they're the toughest. That's what I started teaching in the 70s, too. <laughs> That's great. It was a sort of a charter school, however, so I had an oh. opportunity to be with them all day long. And I realized really early on that uh, I can't make as nearly as much headway as, as possible without also working with their parents. So right. again, to uh, bring parents and children together and do work together. And it was that combination, along with the work that I was doing outside of the school situation, which was uh, teaching Aikido and teaching meditation, teaching mind-body arts, that all three of those balls, working with parents and children, working with children during the day and working in the, the world of uh, Aikido and other martial arts, I recognize that, wow, you know, I, I, there, there's an approach here that people don't know about that could be really useful as I developed it and, and work with it, and that's how I got involved. I, I started to do one workshop um, because I was invited to, and then another, and then somebody from Simon Schuster said that if you put this down in uh, word form, we'll, we'll buy it. So there, next thing I know, I, I uh, put it in a book form, and then it became a bestseller, and next thing I know, I'm traveling around um, doing it. But it, it has been my life. And, you know, isn't that interesting how life takes us? You know, you start one thing, and then all of a sudden you have these, you know, insights, and then, you know, the universe kind of, kind of, helps you to be buoyant about it and just keeps leading you and leading you. This is your purpose, right? It's yeah, I mean, you really never know how the dots connect in life. <laughs> you know, everyone talks about planning a precise, critical path, but we know the universe is far more powerful and m mysterious than that, and it doesn't happen that way. You know, I live here in Aspen, Colorado, and I was heading to Jackson Hole, Wyoming <laughs> 50 years ago, or no, 44 years ago, I was going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I passed through Aspen, Colorado uh, just to see, say hi to a friend, and a guy asked me, hey, could you help me stick, a, 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 stick this dog in a backpack? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, I'm on a motorcycle, and I need you to help me put this dog in a backpack because it hasn't heard, learned to ride by itself. So as I'm stuffing the dog in the backpack, <laughs> this is crazy. I was only in town for 15 minutes. This is in 1970. And he goes, oh, by the way, um, I'm, I'm working in this restaurant, and I lost this one of our waiters, and I really need somebody for the next week. Could you help me out? <laughs> so I went, you know, I, I, had a, I had a wife, I had a little baby. I, I looked at them, and I said, well, what do you think? And they said, well, we don't really know where we're planning on, on settling down in Wyoming, so why not? You know, I never got to Wyoming until 10 years ago, Mari. So there you go. <laughs> now, isn't that beautiful, though, really and truly, when, you, when you're open and receptive to something like this and kind of just... Going with the flow, how the, how you're just taken care of, I think it's wonderful. Absolutely, it's yeah. history, so we must we must embrace it. 
Exactly. So let's talk about the uh, the Aki approach. And I think that's so great. I, I remember when, you know, when I was reading your book years ago and my son was in karate and I was taking karate with him and, and one day he got really upset and then he's, he stopped himself and he goes, you know, mom, um, I learned in karate that if someone gets me mad, they control me and I don't want to be controlled. <laughs> Out of the mouths of a seven-year-old, you know, and I thought, you know, there is so much to learn from these martial arts. So let's talk a little bit about the essence of the Aki approach and and how we can all use it. Yeah, uh, again, this is a combination of not just the martial arts, but as an educator and, you know, going through life, there's an approach I realized that is very powerful if one would, and simple if one would adhere to it. And, and I, the martial art metaphor is beautiful because if a person goes to throw a punch at you, it's clearly advised. You don't have to necessarily explain it to someone to get out of the way, correct? <laughs> right. And yet running away or shrinking in the face of, let's say, a punch rarely will work because predators by nature love the chase. They right. chase. They right. go after. If one shrinks in energy, they go after. So the idea, the first principle in what I call the IKEA approach is to fully, completely acknowledge the attack. Yes, to get offline, but that doesn't mean to run away and shrink, and that's a major important skill set that people need to know. Acknowledgement is seeing what is there, but also looking beyond just, the, say, the fist to where it's coming from. It's the heart and the mind and the body that is driving it. So you want to have your attention focused on the real source of the issue, not just the fist. That's the acknowledgement portion in a conflict. And, you, you know, everything I'm saying you can relate just as directly mentally and emotionally. Right. But the second aspect that's very that people can understand at least intellectually, and then there are skill sets that I provide to get them to do it, is to embrace the conflict. It's the best opportunity we've ever had. And that is the magic to take this seemingly something you don't want and turn it into a real pearl. To do that, we have to understand that that conflict is actually an opportunity to get more in touch with our higher purpose, to get more in touch with what we really care about. So to embrace this situation as an opportunity is a huge uh, second step. And the third aspect of the IKEA approach is to be willing to change. You know, if somebody has a conflict with you, Mari, and they came to me and they said, Tom, could you help me out with this conflict with Mari? And I look at them and say, well, what do you think needs to happen? Who do you think they're going to talk about? Right. <laughs> they're going to talk about you, right? Right, right. They're going to want me to collude with them to figure out how we can get you to change. When, in fact, if you really look at the Aikido as a martial art or the Aiki approach as I teach it to the general public, it is you need to be willing to change. There's a great opportunity right here in your face to become a better person. So it's acknowledge the situation. It is... Uh, to embrace the situation, and is to be willing to change. And then I teach skill sets to allow us to do each of those steps that, that allow it to be more spontaneous, more natural in everyday life. Because conflicts can show up just right when a person pulls in front of you, in a shopping line, on an immediate phone call. We often don't have time to prepare our, our case or our defense or our resolution. We need to be able to come from a place of being that allows it to happen quite naturally, quite spontaneously. 
and and just have that tool of knowing that consciously you know when you were talking about conflict being an opportunity the the chinese word for conflict is made up of two different symbols one is danger which we know if we don't do your approach or do an approach that's that's healthy um then we're going to go down the dangerous line and the other symbol is opportunity so of course you know conflict in itself can be a wonderful wonderful outlet for change for creativity you know because each of us see the world differently like you and i have very different upbringings although we have a lot of things that we we share in in values but you know when you live with your husband or your wife or or a roommate you're going to see things differently you're going to have different likes and different perspectives so conflict can even be a little thing you know putting away the dishes can cause a conflict so you have to use it as an opportunity for growth and that's exactly what you do i love it you acknowledge it you embrace it and you'd be willing to change and, and even to do that mari you know as well as i that there are certain myths belief systems that people hold that keep us from doing that it all sounds natural to talk about it here and one might say oh that sounds great that's what i will do but we rarely will in real time because we have these myths or beliefs one is that we think conflicts a contest right and we've tr- been trained there's nothing wrong with competition but when you start to think everything is a win lose situation right missing the understanding of conflict you're thinking contest that is very difficult to acknowledge a situation when you immediately go for the win yes the second big myth is we think conflict is negative mhm you'd think we'd be more conscious than your average oyster <laughs> But when a little piece of sand gets in the oyster shell, the oyster doesn't run into one part of the shell and pretend that the irritant isn't there, nor does it hire its litigation team and <laughs> untold millions to try to get rid of it. It somehow embraces it in a way that pearls get formed. And then the third myth is we actually think, the average human being today, we think that it takes both sides to begin the resolution process. And really, it only takes one side to begin the resolution process. Exactly. It takes two to fight, but only one to actually disengage, right? Exactly. Yeah. So those myths, we need to understand also because that we need to be aware of them when we're actually doing them. You know, to be aware that we're in that little fight in the home or in the workplace where we can get quiet enough, what I call centered enough, to ask the simple question, am I in a conflict or a contest here? Am I doing something I do in a sport to try to win, to try to hold territory, or do I really want to resolve this and create a better relationship? Or is this, am I coming from this negative place around conflict rather than an opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were just talking about, you know, the, the, the three things to acknowledge, to embrace, and be willing to change, and that, you know, it's, it's one thing to say it, another thing to apply it. And one of the things that, that I love that kind of leads into the next book you wrote, which is, you know, the, the three deep breaths, is when we are feeling angry or hostile or any intense emotion, it is actually manifesting in our bodies as well, right? Absolutely. And that can hurt us. I mean, I, I've seen people in, in mediations with me where somebody will say something and, you know, it, it a button got pushed, right? A button got pushed, and I can see in their body language, they get stiff, they get tight, their arms start to cross, their face is all mushy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know, even though I didn't get what really happened because it was a button that I had no clue about between the two people or three people, 
but I know that something has happened. And so when, when we let our emotions rule us through our bodies, it's hard to get back to that center. So this kind of leads to the, your book, your latest book, The Three Deep Breaths. Absolutely. Right? Thank yeah. you. That, that's a, uh, I, I wrote it as a parable. So it's easy to understand. Yes. I mean, most people have difficulty. I know reading a, a, a book on stress, it's better, better to read a story that yes. teaches you uh, uh, how to actually deal with stress in a far more powerful way and conflict and pressure. Yeah. And, and it, again, it, you know, when you're in conflict, when you're in stress, when you're under pressure, everything's involved. It's not just an intellectual exercise. Your heart is involved. Your, your gut is involved. Your heartbeat is involved, your heart pressure is involved, and of course your mind is involved. So it's a mind-body experience. Exactly. The three deep breaths are basically skill sets that I teach that allow people to practice them, not adding to their daily life, but any time in their daily life at whatever they're doing. One, of course, this art of centering is a, is a, is a beautiful skill set, and that's the first breath. And it, it has to do with, you know, teaching people how to take that moment, how to use that anchor maybe of that person when suddenly they're shutting down, if you're watching that person in your dialogue with them, to have that be an anchor for you to come back to a place that's more aligned. I mean, right now, whoever's listening to this, they might just notice how they're sitting or standing right now. Are they aligned? Uh, when you align, you work with gravity. You start to naturally let tension out. It's good for you. Getting in touch with your breathing just being aware of it, witnessing it, allows it to become more diaphragmatic naturally. It will get softer, fuller, rounder. If you just spend several seconds, 10 seconds on it, 30 seconds on it. And then the, the last little nuance I'll share around centering for now is you want to be mindful of this moment. You want to breathe in the colors, the surroundings, the sounds, the feelings. Breathe it in just like you're breathing in the air. Breathe it all the way down into that belly, to that hara. And you'd be amazed at what it does to calm that emotional reactive level and to pull you into a level that thinks better, is healthier, and is going to be far more effective at dealing with this conflict. Exactly. So when somebody says something that offends you, if you stop for a second and do that centering breath right away, absolutely. Before you know, stop yourself. Make that a habit. Stop yourself, and and I have to do that because you know, anger and hostility and conflict is really contagious. So, you know, when I walk into a mediation, I've been doing this now twenty seven years. I have to put up like a golden shield. You know, that might sound funny to you, but that's what I have to do, Tom. I have to put up a golden shield around me. No, that's, that's wonderful. I, I guess <laughs> that's important. <laughs> and then I, when I hear the, the tenseness and what's happening or the voices raising, the first thing I do is just really breathe into my solar plexus right away, just slowly. And then as my energy slows, that kind of sets up that energy in the room too. It helps it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's been tremendous amounts of research on empathy and mirror neurons, and when you choose to get centered, it not only reboots your entire autonomic nervous system to move it from that fight-or-flight reaction, which is the parasympathetic to either sympathetic to the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, so it reboots your whole nervous system, but it allows you to be... Uh, 
uh, to be in a way that absolutely will influence that person across the way. That's what the whole mirror neuron theory is about. Yes. You know, studying if, you, if a person walks in and gives another person a big smile, and then with an MRI machine they've lit up that person's brain, they can see that person that received that smile smiles inside that same area of the brain. So we have the ability to influence another person into a greater centeredness as we get centered. We're not responsible for them. They, they are, and of course, as you know, you can be centered and still be dealing with an absolutely raving, crazy man. Yeah, However, yeah. Um, it certainly changes the whole nature of the relationship because it starts with you. Yes, I love that, the centering breath. You know, you're breathing in, and you were talking about breathing into the present moment with balance and energy. You know, I was thinking about, I, had, I went to um, a workshop, and somebody told me that we have, and I don't know where how they measured this, that we have 90 thoughts per second. Can you imagine that? Anyway. Oh, sure. And, and with that, you know, you could be thinking all these things, but when you're breathing and you're, as you suggest, to breathe in the present moment, that's focusing on that thought, which is then so powerful if you're focusing on it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. When you breathe in, you know, the centering breath allows us to do that first step, which is to acknowledge your situation, not to run from it, not to react to it, but to be able to set you up to respond correctly. Yes. It leads to the second breath that I talk about, which is once you're able to quiet the mind and the body, then you want to take charge of what thoughts do you want to entertain. Yes. This is where you need to take a, a pause and choose what, are, what is my highest purpose right now. Yes. And that is huge. I mean, we could, you, you know, you could be walk, walk into uh, your home and there you're, you're, you see your spouse and you say, you know, I'd really like to go out with, to dinner with you tonight. And he or she says, oh, that, that'd be wonderful. And you say, well, I want to go to this Mexican place down the street. And the other person says, you know, I'd, I'd rather eat Chinese food. And you say, how come you get to make all the decisions? <laughs> so, there it goes. So right. not like just inviting you for dinner, right? right? And then all of a sudden it became now this argument about where do we go, Mexican or Chinese, and who can be what? Right, the, most, <laughs> the best debater. It only takes one person to get centered and quiet enough to start to take the second breath, which is breathe in your highest possibility, which is, you know, and this simple example might be something like, you know, it's not really where we go to dinner. The idea is to hang out together tonight. Yes. Create a good relationship to be with this person. Once you get that higher purpose, you'd be amazed at how you're able to work through the little dilemma that you just created. And yeah, and that's such an important thing. Recently, my son came in town and and uh, he and my daughter were going to meet for lunch, and he wanted to sit outside, and she wanted to sit inside. And anyway, long story short, they had a fight about that. Yeah. And then she left, and then he called me and said, Brian, what was really the intent of meeting your sister? Well, spend time with her, because I don't get to spend quality time with her. I said, well, keep your eye on the prize, you know? Why don't you give her a call and tell her that, that you know, you you didn't really want to fight about that. He, I said, what was what would have been for you to just give in and say, I, the most important thing is for me to spend time with you. And so he, you know, he learned from that. And he said, yes, mom, I, I really did call her and apologize. I felt terrible because that really was not my intent. But they both wanted to be right. 
exactly. instead what, of happy. But what, what he needs to get also is, is he's not giving in. Right. He's moving to a higher purpose, which yes. is what the second breath is about. So having the discipline yes. to first get quiet in the moment, yes. reboot that autonomic nervous system, then choose your higher purpose. Yeah. What is my highest purpose right now? Yes. You and I, it might be to have an engaging learning conversation. So right. we go for that 100%. Right. Lose ourselves and, oh, that's not correct, Mari, or that's not correct, Tom. You right. know, we're going to learn together. And that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing. Yes. And, and, and I think that what's really important also about the possibility broth is to make sure it's always a positive one, you know, that you really choose your thoughts, right? We can choose to be negative or we can choose to be positive. So if we wanted to win, if that was our, yeah. quote, our purpose is we want to win at all costs, then there's some, you know, negative ramifications of that. So when you're thinking about the possibility breach, make that possibility a thought that's positive. What do I, you know, what is the highest purpose that, that Tom was just talking about? That's, right. That's why it's the possibility breath. What's your right. highest possibility right now? All you have to do is ask it, and you'll leap forward. How about the third one? The, the third breath is, is, is a wonderful breath. Once you're able to quiet the body and mind, then you're able to engage the mind at the highest level. The third breath asks you to step into the mystery. We don't really know what's going to unfold this next moment. To have too many what you would call expectations, puts too much form on it, creates a, a limitation of what really could get discovered. So I call it the discovery breath. You want to breathe in the mystery with, uh, you know, with, with your, and let go of judgment. That's really what you're doing there. And it is such a simple question to ask yourself. You know, it's just, it's just asking, do I want to engage in life with fascination? Or do I want to go through life trying to protect my little ego and my little right? To ask that question, you'll, you'll start to step forward. It's fascinating. All the great, I think, leaders and people who have uh, walked this planet and added such tremendous value to the planet somehow did what Rachel Carson, the environmentalist, said. They live in indestructible wonder. And if there could be one gift that we could all have that would serve us well is a sense of indestructible wonder. And I just have to think about and laugh about how when you ended up helping that guy put the doggy in the in the backpack, <laughs> you were there. You were already there. You were letting go of judgment. Well, I have to go to Wyoming and you, you know, close your mind and your ego says, nope. We're on our way to Wyoming. Yeah, and never got there. And and once (laughs) led to another. It led to my life here in Colorado. It led to all the great people that I've met. It's led to my work. You know, I I just, the implicate order of the universe is way too complicated for one little individual to, to know. We just need to follow our heart. One of my mentors and deep friends, like a grandfather to me, was Bucky Fuller, the great Buckminster Fuller. And, uh, you know, he would use the, the bumblebee analogy or the honeybee analogy. The, honey, the honeybee is flitting around from flower to flower for its purpose. Its heart's purpose is to bring nectar to the hive, to food to the community. Its higher purpose of course, is to pollinate the earth with flowers. But it doesn't need to know its highest purpose. It just needs to find out what it loves and to live a life that shows it. Yes. And, you know, we're just about out of time, but I just wanted to let everybody know that you have an upcoming program called The Magic of Skiing. 
in February yeah. of 2014. So we don't have a lot of time. Could you just tell us a little bit about about this and then where they can find out more? Well, here again, it's it's one of the it, it is the most successful program that we that, that that's ever happened, multi day program in Aspen Ski Company's history, and it is in February. Um, they can find out about it with the Magic of Skiing dot dot uh, com or thomascrum.com, but the magic of skiing.com. And what's unique about it, Mari, is people not only have this extraordinary time, but I, all the pros are the best. And I have, they've been training with me for years. And what we do is we use and integrate these principles before we go skiing, then we go ski all day, and then afterwards we reintegrate them into daily life experiences, to relationships, to dealing with conflicts, Professionals come from all over. Some people have been coming for over 30 years. It's open mm. to beginners, to anybody, whatever level of skier you are, you'll have uh, two or three of you per pro, and it's an incredible experience because when you really talk about conflict and stress and pressure, you're talking about a mind and body that yes. needs to be more integrated. And to, to be able to learn these skills doing something that you really love or want to learn. Yes. My goodness, what a great combination. Yeah. Learning the mind-body art in a way you could apply it to everything else in your life. Yes, and I love skiing and I love the idea. So we it's time for us to go. So we'll tell people to go to Tom, thomascrum.com. And we love you, Tom. We can't wait to have you back again. And we will have you back soon. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you so much. All right. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 a.m. And visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests. You can download podcasts and you can listen to archived interviews and jump to the URL and see more about our wonderful guests. Thank you. Thank you.